too, baby. Okay, <laughs> got it. <clears throat> Just wait till we start talking, and you'll you'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> I'm Hannah Gaber, and I am here today guest hosting the CLSAS Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. And the reason that you have a stranger for a host today is because we wanted to talk about the podcast a little bit and what we are hoping to do with it going forward. So here with me are the original creators of the podcast, starting with... Sana. My name is Sana, and I am a CLS alumna of Chinese program in 2014, um, and I am the producer of the podcast series. Miriam Tinberg, I did CLS 2012 in Amman, Jordan, and then a Fulbright in 2014-2015 to Rabat, Morocco, and I am one of the two co-hosts. And Ashley Rivenbark, I did CLS in 2014 in Hangzhou, China with Sana, actually, and I am also a co-host. And I'm actually a 2016 CLS alumni from uh, Morocco and also a 2017-2018 Fulbright alumni from Cyprus. I guess I'm an alumna. Unclear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, whatever. That's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> but what we are here to talk about today is how has the podcast been going so far? It's pretty new. Tell me about when you guys started it and um, what you've done with it so far. How did you know, for example, that you wanted to do a podcast? Where'd you get the idea? This is Ashley. Um, so I know that I had reached out to Sana because she and her committee members were starting up this new group, CLSAS, and kind of telling everyone, you know, you can do whatever you want with this podcast. We have a lot of different, or with this group, we have a lot of different opportunities. And the topics of diversity and inclusion were something that I was really interested in. So I reached out to her and said, hey, can we do something with diversity and inclusion? And then Miriam came in and said, hey, uh, I'm interested in that too. And it just kind of rolled from there. I'm really not even sure where the idea of a podcast came from. That might have been you, Miriam. Was that me? Oh. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, I am an avid podcast listener. I am obsessed with podcasts and have zero podcasting experience, but I've been told that I have a voice for radio. Um, but well, I've, that's, I've been told I have a face for radio, so great. this is perfect. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, but yeah, I was, I'm very passionate about diversity and inclusion stuff. I've never done it really formally before, but in every job I've had, I've um, tried to get aspects of that into my work. And so this just popped up, and I was really missing that CLS language connection and was like, why not just do a relatively low-stakes podcast talking to people that care about things that I like get to get some of those hard podcasting skills, which I think are becoming increasingly more marketable and useful to have. So it, we've elevated it today in a very intense way with these fancy mics and studios. <laughs> but um, yeah, so far so good. But it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah, um, this is Sana speaking. And I just kind of wanted to say we started our podcast series about November of 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, and how we kind of worked together was through um, Google Hangouts, we discussed what are the content that we want to build, um, what is the process for recruiting volunteers, um, and what do we what do we really want to bring um, to the CLSAS um, to the CLSAS members. Um, and then it kind of just kicked off and then we thought, okay, how, how many episodes should we do? Um, Okay. We decided to do one episode per month um, and then just kind of see how things go on volunteer demand and also our time and capacity. And so have you been doing that? Have you been doing one a month? How many have you produced and what kind of guests have you hosted so far? 
Yeah, so we are currently on our fourth episode. Um, we did three episode um, and hosted it on our website, slsas.org. Um, and we have two that are recorded already. Um, so hopefully this would be our sixth episode. And tell me a little bit about the guests. I mean, who are they? Where do they come from? You know, how do you choose them? So it's been on a volunteer basis. People reach out to us um, or we maybe have connections. Um, this is Miriam, by the way. I'm going to try to keep doing that. Um, but yeah, so we have been communicating via email, sending them a little prep work, but just trying to keep it low key. This is just a conversation. Um, I think podcast, the word podcast can kind of stress people out. And I'm like, no, we're just using our earbuds in our computers. <laughs> so um, is that how it started? You, what were you, I mean, were you, tell me a little bit about the technical aspect of when it all began. Yeah, essentially, we were just using, like Miriam said, our our computers, the recording was through the computer. We were using headphones. Everyone's sound quality was different. You know, there were a lot of feedback, a lot of <laughs> happening. So it, it was unfortunate because especially the, the people that we've interviewed so far had such incredible insights and a lot of things that they want to share and a lot of things that we've learned from. But it's difficult to get that across when, you know, you're new at this and you really have no idea technologically what you're doing. Um, and so who have the guests been as far as it's gone so far? I mean, is it just alumnas? Is it, do you have ambassadors? Do you have like, who who are the people that you're choosing to interview? Yeah, it's been um, all CLS alums, you know, roughly 20s, 30s, um, I think is the age, the average age. Um, and it's just been people, it's been all uh, POCs um, talking. So we, we are looking, I don't remember exactly how we've been describing what type of person we're looking for, what type of interviewee, but it's been, we're looking to get minority voices, underrepresented students um, and alumna of the program to talk about their own experiences with their different diverse identities, however they interpret that um, on the CLS program. So we've had people talk about race, um, being a heritage speaker. Um, I don't know if you guys can remember any others. Yeah, we had um, someone come in who was a POC but wanted to focus more on the fact that she was a woman in the field of STEM. Mm. So we've had a lot of people. And I think, too, what we were essentially trying to get at is I feel like everyone kind of has this shared experience of study abroad. But when you really dive into it, everyone's different. Everyone's experience is vastly different, especially if you are from a minority background, if you're in the LGBTQ community. So we wanted to deep dive into those specific identities and how they differed from sort of the generalized study abroad experience. So um, that sort of brings me to my next question, which is essentially like what, you know, we just had the first conference, the first CLSAS conference, and you guys were, are you're, you're all on the board, correct? Or on the committee? I'm on the committee. Committee. I'm on the board. Okay. So basically, you were all instrumental in planning that as well. And so this is a separate initiative as a podcast, correct? Yes. So this was a f first ever opportunity to get alumni, alumna, alumnus, alum people who did <laughs> to get us all together and like farm some ideas. And so I know that you guys hosted a diversity and inclusion roundtable panel, basically. And I think from that, from what I saw, at least, it looks like you guys had some ideas on what you might want to change or do differently with the podcast going forward. Um, what are some of the things that you gained from that? What are some of the things that you heard? Yeah, I mean, I think right off the bat, we were two white women hosting a diversity and inclusion workshop. So we went in. I guess we should have been more explicit in the workshop about um, that. We didn't talk. We didn't say that explicitly, but um 
I think one of the main takeaways for me was the difference, like diversity inclusion is not a particularly inclusive phrase. Um, And so we kind of forgot equity, which someone brought up, who is in the room, who is not in the room. Um, And then also, um, I think, what was the other thing? Injustice. Injustice was Mm -hmm. the other one, yeah, and how diversity and inclusion can both encapsulate a healing space, Mm -hmm. um, which would have been a more closed space than what we had, and then a more, I forget how she phrased it, but an action-oriented, strategy, practical-type space where we talk more um, objectively about situations, and it's just a a different type of, um, like, series of voices. So I think it ended up being more the latter when we had maybe intended it to be the former without fully understanding. So I think that was a good a good lesson for us. So I think with this podcast, for me personally, it's just a space to, for us to be a little, you know, quieted for people to to just, you know, they, they are talking about their experiences and we're doing a lot of active listening and learning. Yeah. And I know for me, this is Ashley, it was definitely a, an incredible learning experience and I feel like I walked away with sort of an existential crisis like am I even qualified to lead these seminars what's going on and I know that you know we had gone into this diversity and inclusion seminar with this preset PowerPoint that we were going to go through and it was not our intention to teach by any means but we had a structure and we were going to generate conversation and we had this whole lofty goal and I feel like really we walked away being the ones that learned the most um, kind of getting checked and saying, you know, we had this whole thing on allyship and right off the bat, someone said, you know, that term is pretty problematic. And so we discussed that. We discussed, like Miriam was saying, you know, diversity and inclusion. Well, you know, that term itself is pretty problematic. So it was such a good kind of crossroads for us, kind of how do we want to structure this going forward? I mean, I think one other thing it, it, it did teach us was that people are thirsty. And this, we'll talk explicit, like specifically about the CLS group, people are thirsty for these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think had it not been at the same time as another workshop, had it not been the last thing of the day, basically, we would have had a lot more people um, because people were, I don't think this is a conversation, at least from my perspective, that is happening in these types of, you know, State Department language programs um which is ironic given that it's about language and cultural exchange but Mm -hmm. i do think that our own diverse identities um tends to get lost in that shuffle so i think people were excited which was encouraging for this podcast um and for the program in general so that was very positive for sure even if we were i think rightfully you know put in our place um a little bit i thought that was that was very optimistic and people want to discuss it and are thirsty for those conversations And I think, I mean, if I may be so bold, at its best, I think that all of these enterprises that are aimed at cultural exchange, whether they be State Department or otherwise, I mean, the idea that it can trigger those, yes, okay, we're supposed to be exchanging our culture with Moroccan culture, but a huge part of the goal, and as far as I understand it, a big part of the way that they select the people to go on these programs is people they think will have meaningful exchanges with each other Mm -hmm. in that other outside challenging space. So, you know, like for example, when I went on my CLS, I was significantly older than everybody else there because I was coming as a grad student and I didn't even start grad school till I was 27. So I was in my 30s and like all these guys are like 21, 22 years old, 19. My roommate was 18, 19 years old. I mean, that's nuts. That was a big exchange, right? Like that was a big exchange. And we, you know, seven of us sharing a bathroom with our beautiful, wonderful, amazing Moroccan host family it was rough. 
it was rough. And like we, you know, some groups gel and become best friends forever and some groups don't. Like I think in my cohort, there were a couple individual friendships that came really tight, but we didn't gel as a group, I wouldn't say. And I think a lot of that has to do with exchange. And for example, there was a little bit of mean girl action going on and there was a lot of like, you know, there was kind of like the DOD cohort and then there was like the humanities cohort. It was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think that and the extension of it, which is what you guys are now initiating with the CLSAS, that with this alumni society, you're extending those lessons into our real world, everyday lives, the lives that we live when we come back from overseas. With and, and we can sort of center that now around this shared experience and identity as people who have lived abroad and it participated in cultural immersion, which is unbelievably difficult to come by. Because I know a lot of travelers, as I'm sure you guys do, immersion is a completely different conversation. Right, right. definitely. Yeah. So how do you hope to see this podcast and perhaps by extension the alumni society function going forward especially when we're talking about inclusiveness inclusivity equity how what are your thoughts about that yeah i think with the podcast our main goal kind of like what miriam was saying is less sort of about us getting our voices out there but having a space where people can come and share about their experiences and by extension you know new cohorts that are coming in can listen to this and say oh wow like you know, I didn't realize that there was a black man going to China before me in this same cohort. These are some lessons that I can learn from him or things to look out for. Or, you know, wow, I didn't know that there was women of STEM that had also been to Japan. This is something that I can listen to and learn from. Another extension that we had for the diversity inclusion um, pillar, I would say, um, is we got two CLS um alumna who did a diversity inclusion survey. Um, so what they did was they found that this was an issue for them and their experience. Um, and they're both, I think, the Arabic CLS program. And they came on board and said, hey, this is something we recognize as a problem and we're going to do this. But we realized there's a CLS AS um, community that we want to partner with. Um, and so we kind of talked to them about their project, their approach, and how they are going to um, put up a executive summary with recommendations to American Council. So hopefully we can also have a voice in changing the way how things are being done and implemented. And In the program itself. In the program itself cool. for, for the new CLS groups. Um, and But as a, in the alumni community, um, our approach has been the, the podcast mainly, um, but we're hoping to build it to make it more of a resource, make it more inclusive to um, students who dropped out of schools, um, low-income students, first-generation students, people of color, um, and just people who have unique experiences. So I know there are there are CLS alumni out there who may identify as a white person, but they have other struggles as well um, and they're welcome to join the podcaster they don't have to be a person of color so that's another approach that we've been trying to lift um, for our team yeah that's like that intersectionality right yeah so that's all, something that we're definitely I think being mindful of in this podcast um, but to your point I think it's um, yesterday was very interesting because we talked a lot about how do you reconcile having issues with the places and the languages and cultures that um, that you travel to on this program and outside while also understanding that you are both a representative of that place but also not from that place and just you know um, navigating all of those different things walking the line b between being critical as we all should be you know critical thinkers but also representing this in a fair 
um, you know, culturally relative um, type of way. And I think ultimately this podcast and the diversity and inclusion pillar in general gives us a chance to work on our own um, societies, systems, cultures, uh, because it's not necessarily our responsibility to change other places first when, in mm. fact, we have tons of issues here. So um, really looking at these programs that we have all benefited from and engaged with and um, working to change those systems, right? So I think, like, you know, trying to, to fix, I guess fix is accurate, like trying to fix the issues that, that there are with the CLS program is, I think, a more actionable, easier pertinent I think goal for us and if we can play a little part in you know doing it using a different medium and trying a different form of accessibility with this podcast um, I think is very inspiring. So I guess one of the questions that uh, sort of is out there right like as we say you know this is not I mean it depends so much about this identity stuff has to do with who you're sitting in front of right Mm -hmm. so like as you said oh we're here we are two white women hosting a diversity and inclusion podcast but Sana you're of Asian descent correct? Correct. So, and my family is of Jewish heritage. So when I'm in Georgia, I'm not a white girl. But when I'm in Arizona, I am. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so much about who you're sitting next to and who you're in front of and how they might perceive themselves as far as like their own identity and whatever. Um, and so I think when it comes down to people's specific issues, we really see how place and surroundings figures into that. And um, some of the alums that we talked to yesterday had uh, some really interesting things to say about that, both in their trips abroad and as a member of the community here at home. So um, here's some of what they had to say. My name is Farrell Charles. Um, I did the Critical Language Scholarship in Vladimir, Russia in 2016. Before my trip, uh, one of the coordinators for the Russian program just you know, told me in a very blunt and direct way that, you know, Russia was going to be tough because I was black. And I was very appreciative of that. Um, and, and, and so uh, it helped me kind of prepare for Russia a little bit. My name is Lorelai. I use she, her pronouns. I do, I do Chinese. I do Mandarin. I went to Taiwan in last year, 2018. As a white female, there's other students that have a very different opinion of what's happening because... In China, mainland China, like if you are black, you will be stared at on the subway. Even as a white woman, I'm stared at on the subway, but not to the extent as other people. So there's a lot of nuances. So hello, my name is Naeem Chaudhary. Uh, I participated in CLS 2018 in Xi'an, China. So um, my mother was born in Santulce, Puerto Rico, and my father was born in Chittagong, Bangladesh. my cohort had 28 students, if I'm not mistaken. It might have might have been 27. Um, but of those 28 students, there were uh, seven, I believe, people of color and only three non-heritage people of color. So um, I think that we spent a lot of time together because we communicated in different ways and... Um, and we supported each other in, in a really difficult time. I do want to say that there seems to be a little bit of an extra burden on uh, people of color in the host society to um, explain that that they too are American citizens. And um, sometimes that doesn't go over as cleanly as one might think. Um, it's not as simple as saying, oh, well, I'm American, you know, because they may not have ever um, perceived an American who looked 
like you. So I often found myself um, reiterating over and over again that, yes, I was American. And in fact, I might be considered like a, you know, a prime example of an American because sometimes America is the only place that two people like my parents could have ever met. Yeah. Like when I go abroad, and this was something that we heard in the um, panel yesterday as well, <clears throat> when I go abroad and people say, you know, where are you from? I always say I'm American. And they, they say the same thing to me because my hair is curly, but my eyes are light, but my skin is olive, but my shape is round, you know, so I don't, I'm not, they, they, I think when most people think of Americans, they think of white girls, you know, and so they're like, but where are you really from? And I think Miriam, you and I have a similar appearance in the sense that we can sort of be from anywhere we are. Yeah. And so I'm just dark enough that I might be Cypriot or I might be um, of Middle Eastern descent, but I'm just light enough that I'm not North African probably, but maybe I'm Moroccan, but they're not really sure. My hair is curly. So like there's something in there. They're not really sure. But there, so there, there's a lot of like, but where are you really from? And my response to that is, and of course I've traveled a lot my whole life, so I'm really used to it doesn't bother me and Farrell actually said kind of the same thing where he was like eh, you know, I'm used mm -hmm. to that some people it bothers them some people it doesn't in my case I'm usually like do you mean where's my ancestry from and so I find that to be a really like non-aggressive way of being like sort of gently maybe prodding the person in front of me to think a little more in a more nuanced way about their question which is not my job like I'm not here to instruct anyone but also like I'm the recipient of something that could be an insensitive question but only in this country, right? Nobody else thinks that way. Like in most every other country I've been in in the world, we're the only people having these conversations about identity in the way that we do. We really are. That's just not, our relationship with race and identity in the United States is utterly unique. The conversations that we have, I don't hear them like this anywhere else. And so, you know, for me, it's kind of like, I mean, my family is descended from Eastern Europe for the most part, um, you know, but we've been in the States four or five generations. We're American. Yeah, I think about this a lot because I get that question, what are you, where are you from, um, you know, a quote unquote exotic. Um, yeah. And to me, I'm not like tr triggered or upset in the same way that someone like Maha yesterday, um, who is of Arab descent, gets that question a lot, is just rightfully so exhausted and angered by it, um, is, is triggered. And this is something I've struggled with for a long time because we have, and I think a lot of Jews and a lot of people who are ethnically ambiguous have this privilege which until I traveled, I didn't even realize was a thing because I was just amongst Northeast Jews, right? Everyone looks like me, but it totally is a privilege to be able to blend in. And so when I get that question, even still, I get it a lot in the States and it is, um, I have no issue with it. It doesn't bother me. It's just annoying sometimes because it's like, I don't know you, why, are you, why is this person running across the parking lot to ask my ethnicity, right? Like that stuff sometimes happens, but it's not... I, I struggle with it because it's not in the same way as someone like, you know, I don't come with that that baggage, that um, that oppression, these decades of like um, trauma that a lot of minorities in the U.S. come with. And so it's it definitely the question lands very differently with me. And so I struggle between, you know, sometimes it's even a comp it's a compliment. And that's and I'm like, how dare I feel like that's a compliment when so many people get those questions. And so it's just I don't have any like an answer necessarily, but it's definitely something I think about a lot. And I think a lot of Jews experience this um, 
And so when listening to Mahan, she was like, I am over that question. How dare you? Like, which I, I hear quite often from my, right. my friends of color. I'm like, right. hmm. So then where, what place do I have if I don't come with that baggage? I come with the privilege of being a white person, but I still get that question and it doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't land right. in the same way. What do I do with that? And these are all, you know, CLS brought up a lot of those questions for me. And I'm still, you know, almost 10 years later, still thinking about it. But yeah. And I thought that the panel that you guys hosted was really, um, it said a lot about that exact conversation. And we actually have some audio of that as well. So, Oftentimes, uh, I'll be asked where I'm from, and I really don't mind. I like talking about you know, my past. Or that, oh, and I love to say that I'm American. And then when they say, no, where are you really from? That's when I get mad. Mm. You know, because I already spent all this time telling you about where I'm from and who I am. Mm. And you want to ask me again where I'm really from? That I totally respect that that's you. I think it also depends on the context, right? Like, I work at the State Department, everyone's like, you're Arab, you're Muslim, you do this, you answer this, and it's like, and then at being questioned by your identity and not being able to control the reactions that people have um, puts me, makes me feel uncomfortable, whereas I appreciate people's inquisitive natures. Um, I just can't control the reaction. I experience this in a different way every day now. Um, I work in an all-black community in Southeast DC. Another big part of being an ally is learning how to make mistakes. And even like, despite how you look at yourself, like having a lot of privilege, but also having some things that you're not privileged in doesn't mean that you still can't make mistakes and that you won't but learning how to make mistakes, learning how to fall is the best thing that you can do. To know that like the end point you want to be at is you're never like you're never quite gonna be there. No one's mm-hmm. ever gonna be there. Topic of my best friend was she was born in China but she was adopted to the United States at six months old. And we met in Beijing when I was um, there during a program and it was I think one of the most racist incidents, it was so hard for her to get around China as someone who looked very Chinese and having to explain every single time to someone, like, no, I'm American. And then then realizing my Chinese was better and getting mad at her Mm -hmm. for her Chinese not being good. I'm a heritage speaker. So I'm a native speaker of Arabic. um, And I did all of my programs in Arabic, still study Arabic. um, And I actually, had a, I struggled a lot with CLS and I was constantly shut out of conversations because I was assumed that I already knew this topic and didn't have to learn about it or I was constantly put on the spot to speak on behalf of the whole group or constantly um, asked to explain things about cultures and religions that I'm also there to learn about. I struggle, I, every year I serve on the CLS alumni panel for the outgoing students to Morocco and Jordan. Every woman asks me, what about the street harassment? What am I gonna do? Um, but it's important for that to be a reciprocal relationship and I think reciprocal in terms of that community. So my suggestion is always to suggest them to resources that are from those community by people from that community, right? So you wanna know about harassment? Read this book by Mona Tahawi, who's an Egyptian, an Egyptian woman who writes about harassment. So when I see diversity and inclusion in my head, I'm thinking, how can we create belonging? And then from there, you can create the structures and the systems that create belonging for the people that you have in the room. Okay, so you guys learned a lot from the Alumni Society gathering and kudos to you all for making that happen. I know that there were people who were really touched to have been present for the first ever alumni gathering, which is really, really cool. Shout out to Sana. And yeah, the board. definitely. All right. So 
I know that it gave you a lot of ideas and probably um, even more ideas for resources. So what are the resources that you have so far and how would you like to maybe use and position that stuff going forward? Yeah, so the diversity inclusion podcast definitely started out with a zero dollar budget. Um, We just all use our own laptops and headphones. um, And then the alumni development fund from the CLS um, opened up. And that kind of gave us an opportunity to apply for a mini grant to continue our work. Um, So we submitted an application. I think they're open once a year um, for a budget proposal of $300. Um, to buy equipment and to also buy software recording um, so that we can use it for our podcast series. Uh, We initially started with um, funding from the CLSAS for uh, audio jack to help us um, buy that license to record our conversation via Skype. And then from there, the Alumni Development Fund helped us buy our microphones and another software um, for PC users. Um, And so we're looking forward to building more resources with the equipment that we have, but also to expand um, equipment for other teams as well moving forward. Yeah, what they say about podcasting is you just have to start, right? So that's we just started. Pretty much the thing about all things it's really (laughs) it's really bad what do they say finished is better than perfect hey you Mm. yeah so um and how therefore can others get involved so is there a way like can they provide you more resources as far as money or grants is that close to you is that like are there conditions around the one you have and or how can they get involved if you're looking for help in some other way so we started a Google Excel to just kind of record our own calendar and availability. Um, but how a volunteer or someone who's interested um, in being on our podcast show can get involved is email the CLS Alumni Society at gmail.com to say they're interested. And then we send out our calendar so that we can book a time with them and do a follow-up with kind of our procedure, where we're expecting, um, kind of walk through how we do our recording. And then um, in terms of if they're not interested in volunteering um, and being on the podcast, we'd have volunteers reach out um, to design artwork for us um, and then to also um, contribute like just like ideas for future um, episode if they don't want their voice to be recorded. And I think as I had said before, we have explicitly not said that this is just for POCs because I do think it's important that people from all areas and all identities who are interested in these topics and are processing these identities deserve a right to discuss them. So I think that we all are in agreement that we want to leave this open-ended and obviously we are, we will, you know, uplift and support those um, voices of people of color, but we don't want to, to close off other voices of people who are engaged in this topic and are critical of it. We do more than welcome different perspectives too on how we structure this podcast because like we were saying you know we're all new at this um miriam and i are both white women we more than welcome that on this podcast as well because we want to make sure that we're not only being able to share different people's voices but also get their voices as well on how this whole thing is structured Perfect. So anyone who wants to help can email clsalumnisociety at gmail.com, right? 
Yes. Good resume booster, yes. Perfect. There you go. Good yeah. resume booster. You can add a line. <laughs> I will be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Wait. <laughs> we all should. <laughs> we all should. So um, other than that, um, I think it's just one of those conversations that was is enriched by participation and by points of view. And hopefully uh, you guys will continue to expand and expand your own understanding and all of our understandings. And um, other than that, best of luck to you all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they, do, they do it live. People do this live. Can you